And so this year, uh, I had the privilege of meeting uh, Alex and Crystal and, and actually ministering to their family a little bit up at Maple City Baptist. And so uh, Alex and Crystal have come back, obviously, with COVID and all of that. They're, um, you know, they've had a little bit of uh, respite. And you've been, they've been serving, and I don't want to take his story, but Alex and Crystal have been serving faithfully probably five, or five years or so. How long have you been in Africa working together? About five years. Yeah, that's what my recollection was. And uh, they've been uh, working with the Callaways at Kafula Futa for, you know, a couple of years probably. And, uh, and so they've been there at, that, uh, at the mission station. And there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, and so I'm real excited to be able to introduce uh, Heartland to the Chippy family. Um, they're gonna, they are uh, not going to be. They already are a key couple at a key place at a key time. Uh, obviously, it's a, and it's a key work. Uh, in in the heart of Africa, and so we really um, want to be praying, and uh, I'll, and Randy will be here to say more. But uh, we want to be praying for these, and uh, we want to re- remember their family. They have two beautiful daughters, uh, which uh, we were Linda Jones and us were able to. Linda was watching the little ones up there, and uh, they're just a, a beautiful family. So I was looking forward to having Alex, and I was glad he could make time to be here with us this morning, and uh, and so Alex. Come on up and preach to us, brother, and share your heart, and uh, we're looking forward to having you. Give him a good HBF welcome this morning. I greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I just want to thank God for this wonderful opportunity to stand before great men and women of God. It's a privilege, and I thank God for that. Also, I just want to say thank you to the pastor and Pastor Randy Foster uh, for the opportunity, even for inviting us to come this side. It's a privilege, and I thank God for that. Also, I just want to say thank you to all of you in here. I believe and trust that God is going to bless each one of us this morning. I pray that each one of us we are going to be attentive unto the word of God because we know that the word of God is our life. The word of God has power to change our lives. Even we are helping each one of us to grow from one level to, to another. So we are going to look at discipleship. I know we are all familiar with the discipleship. We know that it's very vital as a church to continue with the discipleship because this is our calling. The church is a disciple-making center. So before we go into some scriptures, shall we pray? Father, thank you so much for this wonderful morning. We come before you with the precious blood of Jesus the blood which was shed on the cross of Calvary in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Father, use me as a vessel as I stand here to proclaim your oracles. Do what no man cannot do and take all thy glory. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living, of the living God, we believe and trust, Father, that your word is not going to return void but it is going to accomplish the purpose, Father, you have sent it. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. So we are going to look at some of the few stuff concerning discipleship as a church. We know that discipleship, it is not us doing God a favor. It is God doing us a favor because it's, our, it's for our benefit. And it's very, very important, as I said earlier on, where discipleship is concerned. We know that disciple, disciples are not born but are made. Yeah, so it means we have a job, we have a lot to pray to play as a church. 
So we are going to look at some of the biblical examples of discipleship training in the Bible. We are going to look at how Jesus Christ trained his disciples. It's very, very important to grab uh, these principles in our lives as a church, as an individual, so that we apply them accordingly. And I believe and trust that uh, if we apply them, uh, the church is, is not going to be the same. So we are going to look at uh, the life of Jesus Christ, how he trained his disciples. We know that he ministered to all, but he invested in few. He ministered to all, even the invitation, it was to everyone, but he had to invest in these few men. We are going to try to start some few principles. So we need to start and understand and proclaim his ministry of training in the lives of uh, these few men. So three principles may be seen in this training. Three principles. So number one principle we are going to look at is a principle of selection. Uh, principle of uh, selection. As I said, Heriahon, he ministered to thousands, but he had to invest in few men, the 12 men who should carry on after he is gone. So the men whom Jesus chose were ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors, and to the surprise when Jesus Christ came here on earth, when the time came for him to start the ministry, to begin the ministry, he never went into the temple uh, to choose uh, the followers, to choose the disciples. He never went to the priesthood, the Levites, to go and pick some people to follow him. But he went into a different areas. He picked the tax collector. He picked the fishermen, different types of uh, people. And we are going to see that it's very, very important when it comes to uh, discipleship, where selection is concerned. Salvation is to everyone. We have been called to preach salvation to uh, everyone. But when it comes to discipleship, selection has to be there. Even Jesus Christ himself, that's what he did when it comes to invest some of the stuff. We are going to see this even in the life of Apostle Paul. We are going to see where the selection uh, is concerned. It's very, very uh, important. And Jesus had to spend the all night in prayer before choosing uh, the 12. He had to spend time in prayer before choosing the 12. We are going to look at some of the scriptures quickly, quickly. I'm just trying to uh, shed more light and to lay the foundation of my message uh, this morning. So I talked about concerning the selection is concerned. If you have the word of God with you, turn with me in the book of Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. Verses 12, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. 13, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. So he had to spend time in prayer, and he came down to meet his disciples, and he had to choose twelve, whom he named 
uh, apostles. We know that one of them is Judas uh, Iscariot. We are familiar, although I don't want to go uh, into that direction concerning Judah. We know what happened to Judah. So we are talking about the principle of selection. So he had to choose these 12. Jesus' concern was not with the program to leech the multitude, but with men the multitude will follow. So he had to invest uh, in these guys whom the multitude will follow. Yes, he was ministering to everyone, but he had to invest in few men. So also we are going to read in the book of uh, Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 2. This is an uh, Apostle Paul commanding Timothy, encouraging the young Timothy to continue with discipleship and to choose faithful or to give the information or to invest in few faithful, although the Bible doesn't say few here. Verses 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others. So the Bible says faithful men. So Timothy was told that whatever you have heard, commit these things to faithful men who will also teach others. So we have here, we have Paul, we have Timothy, we have uh, faithful men, we have others. So discipleship has to go where multiplication is concerned. We have to continue multiplying and we are going to produce who we are. We are going to produce who we are because we can't produce something different from who we are. And we are made after what we follow. We are made after what we follow. Even Jesus Christ, when he was calling Peter, he said, follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. So we are made after what we follow. So here, uh, the key point I just want to grab from here, it is faithful, faithful men. Commit this to faithful. So it doesn't mean to everyone, but faithful. This is the reason why where principle of selection is very, very important. Because it's not to everyone, but the Bible says faithful men who will also give this same stuff to others. So it's very, very important, uh, children of God. Faith of men. So discipling stands or falls with these two little words, Solomon, that wise king of ancient Israel said in the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, uh, verses uh, 6. Proverbs 20, verses 6. The Bible says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find, a faithful man who can find. In Timothy there we read Paul emphasizing much on giving the information where discipleship is concerned to faithful men. And here Solomon is saying a faithful man who can find. I pray that God is going to find you faithful this morning when it comes to discipleship in the name of Jesus Christ. So in this context, Solomon is saying who can find a faithful man so it means it is uncommon to find uh, a faithful man. 
it is common to find unfaithful people. But to find faithful uh, people, it is uncommon. It's very rare. It's very rare. I believe and trust that God is going to help us. And we know uh, the reason why many people, they fear uh, to be faithful in this world is because of the price attached to it, the price attached to it. Because there is a price where following Jesus Christ. There is a price uh, when it comes uh, where faithfulness is concerned. The price is there to pay. So most of the people... They are not ready to pay the price, but they want maybe the results because the results are there. If you stay faithful, results are there. But I've seen many Christians, they want the results, but they are not ready for the process. Not ready for the process, but they are ready for the results. That It doesn't work that way. Process has to be there. You have to pay the price which we know that discipleship, you have to pay something. Even Jesus Christ, if we read in some of uh, the scriptures, we are going to find that he was, uh, he was uh, telling the disciples that there is a cost to pay. And you have to sit down and calculate the, the cost before you start following uh, Jesus Christ. We are going to see even in the life of Elisha, the time you, the time, Elijah was told by God to go and anoint these three guys, and Elisha uh, is one of them to take the office of uh, Elijah. He had to do something. He had to do something. He had to kill the Hexon because he was a farmer, and he was using the time Elijah was passing. He was uh, doing the, the farming with the oxen. But the Bible says... After Elijah passing, and I think he dropped the mantle, and this guy started following Elijah. In fact, Elijah told him to go back, but he said, no, I'll, I'll follow you, which we know that he had to kill the hoxen, and he had to destroy all the stuff, and he started following Elijah willingly. He was not forced. And if you study very, very well, many times Elijah had to give opportunity to this guy to go back but he said no even in the life of uh, Jesus Christ after those guys walked away from him the disciples in John I think chapter 6 a certain group of disciples walked away from uh, Jesus Christ uh, they said this is the hard saying who can hear it so they walked away from him and Jesus Christ he never uh, went after them chasing them and say, come back, I never meant that way. No, he just let them go if you want to go. And he went on even to the 12. He said, do you want to go also? And Peter said, no, where can we go? Because you are the one who has the words of life. So you have to follow Jesus Christ willingly. Discipleship, it is something, it is something you are not supposed to be forced. It is something which has to come out of your heart, deep down from your heart, where following uh, Jesus Christ and surrendering uh, to Jesus Christ uh, himself. So there is a price attached to, to this. So the question is, uh, are we going to be found faithful uh, this morning even when it comes to the principle uh, of selection. And according to what I know, uh, the discipleship is not only the pastor who is supposed to do uh, discipleship alone in the church. It's for everyone. As long as you're a believer, it is your duty to be involved in disciple-making uh, ministry. It is your duty. It is your duty, so you cannot do it alone. This is the reason why we have seen there is Paul, there is Timoth, there is others, and also there is the other group. It has to continue moving just like that. That's how it's supposed to be. So a faithful man who can find a faithful man who can find a faithful man. And who is a faithful man? Man, 
who is a faithful man. I think I will try to uh, shed more light uh, concerning a faithful man. I know we are all familiar when it comes to faithfulness is concerned, what it means to be faithful. We know that we have to follow uh, Jesus Christ, even following his direction, whatever he says, we have to do, we have to obey. But many of the times, according to what I've discovered, uh, we are trying to bring God down on our standard. Yeah, we are trying to bring God on our standard. Also, we are trying to bring God into our program. And it doesn't work that way. So, God is the one who is supposed to put us into his program. Not us putting God in our programs. When I do this, when I go this, we just want to involve God in our directions. It doesn't work that way. So it is us following uh, Jesus Christ. It is us who is supposed to. We know that by our own power we cannot do it uh, concerning the standard God himself has set which we have seen in the scriptures, even concerning uh, those uh, disciples who walked away from Jesus Christ. There is a certain uh, standard God is not going to change for you and me because there are some disciples who are saying, I will follow you after I bury my father. And the answer we are going to hear, it is contrary to the request of uh, that person. Many people came to him with the, uh, their programs. Uh, if you fall into this program, then I'll follow you. I'm going to walk with you, but it doesn't work that way. So if he has called you, it means you have to fall under his program. So as I said earlier on, that I will try to shed more light a little bit uh, concerning uh, a, faithful, a faithful man. Because here, when it comes to the principle of selection, it has to do with the faithful men and women of God. Because if the apostles, they were not faithful, I don't think so if church today can be here if they were not faithful. So it means even us today, this generation, if we are not going to be faithful, it means nothing is going to be there uh, in future. So it depends on our faithfulness to God, to the things God has given to uh, each one of us. So as I said earlier on, the reason why most of the people, they fear to be faithful uh, is because of the price. And fear, if we are living in fear, we will never go anywhere with God. If we are living in fear, we will never go anywhere with uh, God. So we are going to look at, I think I'll just mention uh, quickly, quickly because of uh, time. We'll just try to look. We are still at the first principle. I think there are three principles. So we are still at the first one because I think this is very uh, vital. So we are going to look at some of the six followers we have in church today. The six followers. So number one, followers. And this can help us when it comes to select. Because you may end up wasting your time trying to invest in, in somebody who is not faithful. Yeah, you can just waste your time. Maybe two years you are trying to invest in someone who is not faithful. So we have number one here, we have material followers. They are people who are in church, they are in church because of the material, material stuff. This is the reason why they are following Jesus Christ. Even in God's word, we have seen this group. They were just following Jesus Christ because of the blood they had. That's the reason why they were following Jesus Christ. This is the reason why when I see southerns in the church, yes, it is good to have uh, the good number like southerns in church, but the question is, are they following uh, Jesus Christ? Are they genuine, all of them? Because thousands of people, 
they were following Jesus Christ, and the Bible says they believed, but they did not believe unto salvation. We know that during his earthly ministry, no one was able to be born again until his death, and he rose from, from the dead. But we can see a few number, even at the day of Pentecost, even at the day after he rose from the dead, we can see a few number, about maybe 500 uh, believers whom Jesus Christ appeared to, even at the day of Pentecost, we have like 120. But during his earthly ministry, we heard that thousands, they were following uh, Jesus Christ. They were following Jesus Christ. So we have number two, we have situation of followers. This, they can just come in church because of the problems, situations. If that problem goes, even them, they will, they will go back. It's because of that they are in church. We have also family followers. They are in church because of the family, because that's where my father goes, even myself, I can go. But they don't have that true relationship with uh, Jesus Christ. We have also self-righteous followers. We have also distance followers. Those who just follow afar off. They don't want to get involved. We are going to see this even in the life of Peter. After he said, no, me, I'm going to die with you. Even in prison, we can go together. He promised the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter. But after Jesus Christ was arrested, Peter he was just following afar off to see what will happen, to see what will happen. In fact, the time he was asked the question, if he was with Jesus, he had to say, no, I don't know this man. That's how the distance followers are in church. They are just following afar off. They don't want to get involved. When things goes wrong, they said, no, I knew. This is the reason why I never wanted to get involved. Distance followers. We have also faithful followers, the 60. It's faithful followers, the one we are talking about. Who can find uh, a faithful man? Who can find a faithful uh, woman? As I said, I pray that God is going to find each one of us in here faithful when it comes to disciple-making uh, ministry in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. As I said earlier on, that uh, many of the times we fear the price attached when it comes to uh, follow Jesus, to become a faithful followers. We are going to look at some of the things quickly, quickly. You can go in your own spare time. I will just try to explain these things even in the life of Abraham. I think we are going to pick Abraham as the picture of something I'm trying to communicate to each one of us. When Abraham was told by God to go and give his only son, Isaac, the one he loved, he never even consulted, I think, his wife. We don't have uh, any record, uh, record there. Because some of the things maybe God is going to tell you to do, if you were to consult flesh and blood, I don't think so. If you can be advised to follow Jesus Christ according to the direction, maybe he's taking you. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. This is the reason why we don't need the word of God to make sense. We are called to believe what it says. Yeah, we are called to believe what it says. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So it's by what he has said uh, in his word. So we are going to see some of the few uh, points uh, when Hebram was called to do uh, this stuff, which we know that it was difficult. Even us, I think even myself, it can be a difficult task if God were to tell me, to sacrifice one of my daughters, I know it is something which can be difficult. And that is the only son Abraham had, Isaac. So Abraham had to obey. So we are going to look at four things. Number one is revelation. It came by revelation. God spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Abraham. And if you read, Abraham had to prepare himself 
with some wood, stuff like that. So preparation has to be there, liberation, uh, preparation, then uh, separation because he had to go with these two young men, the servants. So after they reached the land of Moriah and the mountain was afar off, Hebraham had to tell these two guys that he remain here, high and the Lord will go and worship you. Then he will come back to you. That is separation. We have seen uh, separation. I just want to emphasize much now on the fourth one. On the fourth one, it is the time of dedication. When the time came to give now Isaac. This is the time. Uh, this is the time most of us, we are failing where dedication uh, is concerned because to be faithful, it means you have to be a dedicated believer. You have to dedicate your life to the work of the ministry, which I know that it was difficult even for Hebram. I don't know what was going on in his mind, in his heart, this time of dedication, but he had to do it. He had to give Isaac, Isaac as a sacrifice. Even in the life of Paul, you can see these principles. You can see, you can see the liberation in the life of Paul. He received the liberation. Let's go in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter, chapter one, chapter one, verses uh, fifteen. But when through seventeen, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son. We know that the revelation, it started with the revelation. Jesus Christ appeared to, to Paul. Even us, we don't need Jesus Christ to appear to us. We have the revelation of God, which is God's word. Even Peter is saying we have a more sure word. We have a more sure word. We have the revelation of God. So the Bible says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, we have seen separation here, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So in short to say, is he's saying I never consulted flesh and blood. I never consulted any man. I had to obey what God told me to do. Even today, if you are to consult the flesh, they will tell you that it doesn't make sense. You don't need to do that. Are you okay in here? Because we love the comfort things. We love the comfort zones. But we are called to go beyond in the name of Jesus Christ. If you want to make impact, not using our power, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. It means we have to dedicate. We have to dedicate our lives. We have to dedicate our lives. So we can see this even dedication in the life of Paul. Let's read in the book of Acts chapter 20. This is one of my favorite chapter 20 uh, verses uh, 19 uh, through 24. Paul is saying, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and uh, temptations which befell me by the laying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and I've taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save the Holy Ghost. With Nathan in every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me. Verses 24. This is the true dedication. This is the true dedication. But none of these things move me. Neither count 
high my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ, testifying the gospel of grace, of the grace of God. So Paul is saying, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I remember Pastor Bo Green in Mammoth, he said, the only one who can move us is the Holy Spirit, not the troubles around us, not the things which is going around in the world. Do you know, as I was sitting, meditating what is going on in the world because of the virus stuff and some other things, there is a lot of things going on and it has brought a lot of fear in most of uh, the believers. So as I was sitting, meditating, even praying and asking God, I remember missionary Brian said, uh, when God brings the test, it doesn't mean uh, you just want to know what you are going to do at the end of the day, even where you are uh, spiritually. He said the point I picked, he said, when God brings the test, he just wants you to know where you are spiritually, you yourself. Which I said, I think this makes sense. Even what is going on around the world this time is, is to show us where we are as the church in faith. Are we standing in faith? Are we trusting God himself? Or are we going to live in fear? Are we going to live in fear? And God has not given us the spirit of fear. No, that's not what the Bible says. So we are going to believe what God has said in, in his word. Not what the, my mind is telling me, even what the world is telling me. Because many of the times we don't believe what it says in the Bible. We don't believe what God has said in the in his word, but we have to believe what he has said. So if God is telling me that he has not given me the spirit of fear, I am going to stand and dedicate my life as Paul is saying, none of these things move me. And I think this is the time for the church to stand. This is the time for the church to stand and show the world that there is hope. There is Jesus Christ. There is Jesus Christ. But if we go and hide ourselves, then it means we are not doing what we are supposed to do. We are not doing what we are supposed to do. So we, we have to stand. And Paul is saying, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Yes, we are not going to neglect and say we are not going to follow the preventive measures they have put in place. We are going to follow those things, but it doesn't mean we have fear in us. We, we have no fear. We have no fear. If death want to take me today, I am here because I know that if I die today, I'm going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be with him. And we know that this is not our home. This is not our home. We are strangers. We are pilgrims. We are just passing through. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven and we believe and trust that God is with us. And the Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? As it is written, all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The one who gave himself on the cross of Calvary. We are not going to fear. We are going to stand uh, in this difficult time and proclaim that the Lord is good. The Lord is good and Jesus Christ is coming so that we can give the hope to the lost world. It is our duty as the church to stand. But God is counting on you and me. He's counting on you and me. If we say no, then who, whom God is going to use? This is the reason why he's looking for faithful men and women who are willing to pay the price, who are willing to obey, to do what God has said, no matter how much it will cost. I have given my life unto you, uh, Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. So God uh, is with us, the King of kings, 
the Lord of Lords, the fountain of life, the living word, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is with us and he has promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's going to be with us and he will continue to fight for the church. It is his church. It is not my church. It's not the church of the pastor, but it is Jesus Christ's church. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's what he said. Jesus Christ said in his word. So it means the church has to stand in the power of God's word. He has taken the church to personal Jesus Christ. Because the time he appeared to Paul, he said, why are you persecuting me? He never said, why are you persecuting my people or my children? He said, why are you persecuting me? He has taken the church to personal. We are the board of Jesus Christ and he is the head. So we need to stand in God's, in God's power in the name of Jesus Christ. The enemy is a liar. The enemy is a liar. Even right now, he is trying to whisper into the minds of people to bring fear in the minds of people. So we are not going to fear. None of these things move me. None of these things move me. So the only people who can say this are the faithful people who have dedicated their lives. Do what you want to do with my life. Do what you want to do with my life. So this is very, very uh, important uh, children of God where the principle of uh, selection is concerned. Who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful man? So we are, we are going to look at the second one. The principle of association. The principle of association. So it is something I think Peter and the group they were familiar of if we look back into the Old Testament some of the guys they were trained by this principle even Elisha and uh, Elijah he had to be with him he had to minister to him principle of association is very very uh, important. So if you have the word of God with you, turn with me in the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 14. Principle of association. Three verses 14. And he ordained the twelve that they should be with him. So he ordained them that they should be with him. So it means sometimes we have to separate time to be with the people we are discipling. We invest our lives in them. Not only the word, only but also we invest even our lives. So it shows, he ordained the twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. So they have to be with him and we know that they spent about three years and some, some months with Jesus Christ. So this principle we can see, as I said, even uh, Moses and Joshua we can see this principle. Let's read in the book of uh, Numbers 27, verses 15 through 20. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Yeah, Numbers 27, verses 15 through 20. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord 
the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep, sheep without no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar uh, the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And Moses has to put some honor in the presence of her. I know sometimes other people, they find it difficult where training others. Maybe they are going to be more, they are going to be above me because they just want to be the center of attention. Maybe in church, they are not ready to raise more disciples. So we can see this principle. We can see also this principle of association in the book of Acts concerning Peter when he went to the house of uh, Cornelius. I think we are not going to go there. He went with six men. He never went just alone to the house of Cornelius. Also, we can see this in the life of Apostle Paul in the book of Acts 20. We can see the principle of association. Association. As I said, Heriahon, that we are made after what we follow. So the people whom we are in contact with, uh, because two cannot work together unless they agree. It means you have something in common. You have something in common. You can't be each and every time you find yourself in the bar where people are drinking because that's where your friends are, the worldly people. It doesn't work that way. You find yourself following those people. So you are made after what we follow. If we follow Jesus Christ, we are going to be like him. If we are going to associate ourselves with the people whom, with the people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, they are moving in the power of God. Heaven has will move in the power of God. We will move in the power of God. It's very, very important children of God. I remember even myself the time I got saved, immediately receiving Christ Jesus as my personal savior. The friendship with the world just, even the friends I had, in fact, I never chased any of my friends, the worldly friends. I never chased any of them because myself now, the time I used to have is to go to church, is trying to find somebody who can help me uh, in scriptures. So every time they come to me, they are going to find me, oh, guys, I'm going to church. That's how they stopped coming. Everyone just, and I just remained alone, which is fine, which is fine to me. Later on, I tried to go and reach some of the guys. So principle of association is very, very important. So Jesus Christ had two things in mind in the training of the 12. So number one, that, he, that they would be of help to him. Then and there in carrying out his mission so that they can help him where carrying out his mission. Number two, that they would carry on after he was gone. That they would carry on after he was gone. So even he has... Myself as Alex, even this morning I was challenged by this. Whom am I going to leave here on earth to carry on? 
to have the same passion I have when it comes to follow Jesus Christ, to have the same passion. Whom am I going to invest in? Whom am I going to invest in? Because as we have just read uh, in the scripture, in the book, if I'm not mistaken, 1126, the book of Acts, the first time they were called Christians, and they said, because they were with Jesus, because they saw Christ-like character uh, in them. So this is the reason why it's very, very uh, important when it comes to the principle of association. And we encourage them to be having time with Jesus Christ, not only with us, but also with uh, Jesus Christ uh, himself. So soon we are going to look at the number number one, not number one, number three, the last principle when it comes to uh, the discipleship. I know there is a lot of teachings when it comes to uh, discipleship. We have a lot of uh, teachings, but I know that even this stuff, it can help us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So the last one we have here is the principle of instruction. Principle of instruction. We are going to read in the book of Mark 6, verses 11. Principle of instruction. Instructions are very, very uh, important. 6 verses 11. The Bible says, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart, thence shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Very, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city is just giving instructions. If you go, whosoever shall not receive you, which we know that it happens if you go out where evangelism is concerned, you will knock, maybe you knock at the door, you will knock on the door, maybe they will receive you, or they are going to turn you back and say, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy. So we know that it is written in here. It is written, so instructions are good. We read also in the book of Matthew 10, verses uh, 16 through 18. We are looking at the principle of uh, instructions. Principle of instructions. Turn in Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 18. And he took them up in his arms and put hands upon them and blessed them. And when he was gone forth into the way, I think I'm on the wrong. Sorry, I'm on the wrong book. Sorry, I was in the book of Mark. Yeah, it's a good verse. Maybe the Lord wanted to add to what we... <laughs> okay, verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of them, for they will deliver you Help to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. So he's just giving them instructions, even preparing them what will happen uh, in future. 
for his name is sake. That's what he is saying. For his name is sake. And whosoever want to live a godly life shall suffer persecution. That's what the Bible is saying. And even Jesus Christ he even told them that the world is not going to love you. The world is not going to love us. But I have seen uh, most uh, of the children of God, they just want to be loved by the world. They just want to be loved by the world. Even the church itself can fall into this trap. In order to accommodate the world in church, they lower the standard in order to make everybody feel comfortable, feel good. But we are not called to lower the standard in order to accommodate the world or in order to be loved by the world. But the standard of God's word has to be there according to what he has said in his word. So he's giving here uh, instructions what will happen. You are going to suffer. You are going to be scourged. And you are going to be brought before uh, the kings, even the governors for my sake. For a testimony against them and the Gentiles, but verses 19, but when they deliver you up, take no thought for, take no thought how or what you shall speak for, it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. So he's giving them instructions. Even these instructions, we can have them today. I remember even myself, there was a time there was a time I was called by uh, the police, I think about three times, three times because of God's word, because we had to uh, tell somebody that we are going to step down from your position because of this and this and this. So it never went down with that man and the family. It never went down well. In fact, he walked out from the church he wanted to go and join a certain church. After going there, I think he decided to come back again to, to our church. So to cut short a long story, uh, he was murdered by unknown people. So uh, I was called myself uh, with the, the deacon of the church. We were called to the police to go and answer, and the first thing they said, why did, did, why did you stop this man from being a leader in your church? You have caused his death because the people were planning to kill him uh, after hearing, although it was not making sense, but we were called three times to go and answer, and we were accused that we were wrong in executing uh, where disciplining somebody is concerned in church, which I stood and told the police that as we follow what is written in, in God's word, although I was told uh, by the chief police, the officer of the station the following day, because we were approached first by the junior, the junior, we spoke to him. I quoted some scriptures. He is a believer too, and he was con convicted. And he said, okay. Then he, we were called after some days by the boss now himself, and he was mad because they were thinking that he, it is us who has caused the death of uh, that deacon because we had to tell him to stop because they wanted us to to produce the evidence because the Bible says, according to the qualifications, he is supposed to have uh, the good report from without. But without, there was a bad report. How are we going to keep you from that position? Because if we keep you, the world will think that we are okay and we are just one and the same. So in order for us to maintain the integrity of uh, the church and the standard of the church, we were caught by the police and we were, it was, it was really bad. Even some of, uh, some of the churches, I don't know, I'm here to be corrected, even some of the churches, they rose that we, the decision we made, 
that was the wrong decision, which I believe that some of the churches, they were even going beyond working uh, with the police in order to attack our church, most especially myself as, as the pastor, because I was the one in the forefront. So these things happen if we stand for, for the truth. But I had to stand for the truth, and I taught the police that I think you can do what you want to do. We are not going to change. So he said, the word of God is not above the government, uh, the government laws. That's what he said, the police. I <laughs> said, I don't think so. We know that the, God, the word of God is above all man-made laws. It's above. This is the reason why if the government tells us to do what is contrary to what God has said in his word. I, I am not going to follow. Yes, we have been told to obey those who are in authority. But if they tell me to do something which is contrary to the scriptures, I am not going to follow. Even who is this uh, Safila, who is this Shifla, and in the book of Exodus, when they were taught to be killing the male Hebrew uh, babies, they never followed that Pharaoh's ways. They disobeyed. They feared God. That's what the Bible said. They feared God, and God had to honor them. So even myself, I am going to follow what God has said in his word. I would rather choose to stand with God and judged by the world than standing with the world and judged by God. Yeah, I would rather choose that way. So I'm going to stand according to what God has said. Each one of us, we have been called to stand according to what he has said in his word because he has given us the instructions. He has given us his word. And his word is clear. His word is clear. So may the Lord God Almighty bless our each one of us in here, I pray that God is going to find each one of us faithful when it comes uh, to his ministry where discipleship is concerned in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I believe and trust that none of these things will move you and me. We will continue moving forward. We will find ways. Maybe, I don't know where we are going. We are going to hear that again. We have to stop coming together. But we are going to find ways to come together as believers. That's what the Bible says. Because we have been told that we are not supposed to neglect in the book of uh, Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembly. That's what the Bible is saying. Not forsaking. So it means don't stop coming together. That's what the scripture says. But I hope I'm not, I'm speaking the Bible. It's the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, we have been told not to forsake the assembly of the believers. So it means we have to find words. We have to find words when it comes to this stuff. Even in the bush in Zambia, some of the guys started meeting in the bush areas for the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because when they read uh, Hebrews 10.25, he's encouraging them to come together. Yeah, you can keep social distance where social distance is concerned. You can be there, you can be there as long as we are together in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So may the Lord God Almighty bless uh, this church. We have to continue multiplying. We have to continue moving forward for our Savior because we don't know when Jesus Christ is coming. We don't know when, but we are living in the last days of the church. We are living in the last days of the church. So it's high time. The night is fast spent. It's high time for the church to stand and show the world that we serve a mighty God. We serve a living God, Jesus Christ, so that we can give up to the lost world. It's, it's high time. It's high time. Don't wait 
Because many of the time, if you know, we just have to wait. We just have to wait. You don't know how many years you are remaining with. Even myself, I don't know how many years remaining I've remained with. Many of the times we celebrate birthdays. I do see people, God has added more years. He has added another year. I was telling the students back in Zambia there that I, myself, when my birthday comes, I think I see a different uh, perspective. I don't see it as God has added another year. I see it, God has taken from the account of my years has taken. And we don't count, I don't know if we count the money we have spent or we count the money we have left with maybe in your account. We count the money we have left with. We don't count what we have spent. So if you have spent maybe 50, you are not, because those years you are not going to reverse them. They are gone already. So you don't know what is remaining now in your account. I don't know what is remaining in my account. Even this very day, I don't know. But what I know is they have taken away from my account. Tomorrow again, they have taken. So it will continue go like that. So myself, I do see this in a different uh, perspective. So we don't know what is remaining in our accounts where our days is concerned. If we have bank accounts, we know exactly what is remaining there, but with our days, no one knows. This is the reason why we just have to put the all effort into what we are doing by the help of the Holy Spirit. We know that it does nothing to do with the way of self-performance because in this flesh there is nothing good. We depend on the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray? Father, thank you so much for this wonderful morning. We bless you. We 